You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Howard. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast and Network. My name is Connor Halley. Make sure to give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley. And before we get going today, very quickly, I want to give a big thank you to our sponsor, DraftKings. If you're going to sign up today, make sure to use promo code THPN. It will help you along the way. I'll tell you more about that later on. But of course, we've got the NHL playoffs, the NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball is in full swing, golf, MMA. Lots of fun to be had with DraftKings. And like I said, we'll talk about that a little bit more later on in this show, of course. This is very Oilers-focused here on the Other Connor Podcast. And as we tape this on Wednesday, about uh, 12.30 or so in the afternoon, Mountain Time, the Edmonton Oilers trailing the LA Kings 3-2 in their best-of-seven series, coming off a pretty disappointing loss, I would say, last night as the Oilers fell to the LA Kings in overtime. They did great work in the third period, battling back despite the two-goal deficit to tie things up, and then they get absolutely dominated in overtime. Uh, one thing to watch out for, the Department of Player Safety announcing that they have a meeting scheduled with Oilers defenseman Darnell Nurse after a headbutting incident, uh, which did not look very good if I had to guess. I would assume there's a suspension looming for Darnell Nurse after that one. Uh, we're going to talk about that and a whole lot more with our guest on the show today, uh, fr- friend... Fan favorite here on the Other Connor Podcast, Brendan Clack, a contributor with Fan Tracks, uh, works with 630 Chet as well. You can give him a follow on Twitter at NHL Update. Mr. Clack, thank you so much for doing this today. How are you doing? You know what? Really pretty good. When you think about the Oilers and the Kings and the playoff series they've had, sure, it's it's not great that they're down 3-2, but we have fans in the building and that's been exciting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it could be worse. They're down 3-2. I, I know a lot of people had picked them in 7 to win anyway, so they're not out of it. Uh, obviously, they're going to need uh, maybe to play with that urgency we saw for five minutes in the second period and uh, the better part of the third period where they did battle back. But, Clacka, uh, let's just start off with the big news. Uh, the NHL Department of Player Safety announcing that Darnell Nurse would have a hearing for head-butting Philip Deneau. I, I'm sure there's a lot of players on the Oilers roster that would love to headbutt Philip Deneau? Darnell Nurse actually did it. What do you think the fallout from uh, this incident will be? Well, it's a really good question because the NHL could go in a couple directions on this. I mean, frankly, we've seen both things in terms of a fine versus a suspension. And I think about how at times in a Game 6 or Game 7 or Game 5 situation, the NHL has kind of let their foot off the gas pedal a little bit more just because of how important the game is. But I remember a couple of suspensions that, that did occur in very crucial games. I remember Nicholas Cronwall got suspended for game seven against Tampa Bay when Tampa Bay made their run to the final in 2015. So it has happened before where guys get suspended. And frankly, Darnell Nurse, just that was a stupid play. Like he launches his head right up into Philip Deneau And it's just not a very disciplinary thing to do. There has been suspensions this year from headbutts. I think it was Chris Weidman earlier this season that got suspended for a similar thing, but it was also still a little bit different than that. It's, it's to me, it's 50 50. It could go either way. I could see them finding him because they understand it's a close game and that, that, there was kind of a confusion level as to the intention. If it was 
meant to be a hit that went that way or if it was actually an intentional headbutt or not. But I could also see the one-game suspension where he's out for game six and without Darnell Nurse in the lineup for game six, man, the Edmonton Oilers would be in some trouble with trying to fill those minutes on the blue line. Yeah, I mean, I've watched this quite a few times and, you know, there might be the argument that he was going for the head and Dino was a little closer than he expected, but it to me, it just kind of seems like a useless thing to do for Dar- Darnell Nurse. I mean, we're under 10 seconds left in the period. I know it's high intensity and there's a lot of emotions going on, but Deneau's not close to the goaltender. He's not sticking his stick in there on this play. Uh, it looks like a little bit of frustration from Darnell Nurse. So like you said, I mean, maybe with it being the playoffs, it will just be a fine for the Oilers. I think they'd be very fortunate if that is the case. But if there is a, a one-game suspension, I wouldn't be surprised uh, either if it happens. We'll wait and see what happens it, George, George Peros and his crew will probably just spin the wheel and, and see what comes up, but uh, definitely would be a big loss for the Edmonton Oilers if they don't have these services of Darnell Nurse going into game number six. Uh, Clack, I, I kind of jokingly tweeted out last night after the second period that if Connor McDavid can you know, put up points with the efficiency that he sells cars in that Go Auto commercial, the Oilers will get right back into this. And, you know, he went out there and he had one hell of a third period, kind of put the team on his back. He and Darnell Nurse, or sorry, Leon Dreisaitl, very effective when they were playing together in that third period. Going out into game number six, I mean, we we don't see those two on the same line for a full game, do we? That's got to be kind of in case of emergency only. Well, I mean, you have to do everything you can at this point. This is desperation. And the Oilers already saw the LA Kings also be desperate in this series. And that was in game four. Cause in game four, LA knew we can't go back to Edmonton down three to one. So LA threw everything they had at Edmonton, but they don't have that type of power stack that the Oilers can do. And I've been a very big advocate in the past about Dave Tippett not always having to resort to stacking McDavid and Dreisaitl. Like at best, you want to do that in the third period. And that's what Jay Woodcroft did successfully for a bit, I guess, until overtime last night. But at the same time, you kind of also just need to figure out the puzzle of if you don't stack the two of them, how do you make your line two and your line three work? Because that's one of the things that I don't know if enough Oilers fans have noticed is that Leon Dreisaitl and Zach Hyman, as good of as good of players as they are, they have not worked very well at five on five on the road coming into this playoff. And they also didn't work very well last night. Like Jay Woodcroft was trying to mix some things up, but Dreisaitl and Hyman with Ryan McLeod got shelled at five on five. And then after that didn't work out. Warren Fogle got a bit of a chance and that didn't quite work out either. So that's kind of why Woodcroft had to do what he did with stacking McDavid and dry settles because that second line really wasn't clicking And the third line also was kind of a mismatch of people where you had Archibald and Polyarvi with Nuge. And it just seems like maybe they don't have the answer right now for the second and third line to where they might have to stack a top line so that the second line has, Kane and Hyman and Nuge or players that they feel like they can rely on more. I do feel like Jesse Pogliarvi has to play a little bit more. I don't think he was a problem. It's not, it's not like he was doing great, amazing things out there, but he wasn't the problem. And they do need to take the gamble on Pogliarvi potentially coming out in an offensive performance in a game six like that. Cause he's one of the guys that actually could just have a random two or three goal game. Yeah, I mean, Jesse Pugliarvi, uh, obviously, 
when it comes to being utilized in this series, it hasn't been great. Game one, just under eight minutes. Game two, jumped up to 13. And game three, he almost got to 15 minutes, but then it was back down to 11 and seven and a half minutes uh, last night in the Oilers' loss. Uh, I, I'm kind of with you on that one. Like, yeah, you know, if the offensive production's not there, that's one thing. But he doesn't really hurt you, right? Like, he he's not a, a big liability defensively. He's at, well, he's really good as almost a third defenseman sometimes. If he's mm-hmm. not doing anything offensively, what he does is he hangs around the blue line and he keeps pucks in or he like, you know, takes, he might fall a lot. That's yeah. something that he's had a problem with in this series. He keeps falling down on the ice, but even when he fell on one point, he actually got a great pass out to Connor McDavid for a chance in the second period against LA in game five there. So, you know, I don't think Jesse Pogliarvi's playing his best hockey, but I also think out of the guys that are support on the Oilers that need to somehow step up in game six, I would rely more on a guy like Poliarvi who probably won't get scored on versus some of the other guys that really, I mean, I, I, Ryan McLeod is a great young player in terms of his speed and his penalty killing ability. And he's a guy that I believe in going forward, but he had a rough game in game five and the, the four minute penalty was really tough because that's a that's a puck battle that just the stick gets too high it's a bit of a careless play it's too bad that happened because I I think it's more of a bad bounce than a you know terrible penalty but he just didn't play very well and you look at a guy like Warren Fogle he didn't play good enough either you look at a guy like even Zach Cassian had a great first half and then he kind of tailed off he took that dumb penalty where he cross checks Dursey in the back Oh yeah. Like I just I didn't get why he did that. The the depth needs to show up in this game six. And I think out of all the guys that are depth for the Oilers, we know that Yamamoto can do things because he was pretty good in game five. But Poliarvi's a guy that at least I know he's not gonna do too much bad to hurt me. It's you know, you bring those things up and you know, you look at the outcome of the game and the Oilers are right there in it. But I I haven't seen too many people, and I mean I haven't started a my shift on 1260, so I haven't seen the toxicity of the 1260 inbox yet. But, you know, we on social media, at least, I haven't seen too many people bring up that penalty by Cassian, right? Like kind of a almost a third man in comes in with a cross check. No need for it. No, no reason at all that he had to do it. Could have just grabbed them and nothing would have happened. And you're not going on the penalty kill. Uh, the McLeod one as well. I, I agree with you. Obviously not intentional. I know that the people out there will say you do have to be responsible with your stick, but I mean, he's making a good play. Like he's, he's trying to battle for the, the puck. He goes for the stick lift, missed and unfortunately, uh, made the, the king bleed his own blood. Um, maybe that's, you know, Good break for the Kings. I, you you kind of want to bleed in that situation, but just uh, kind of some bad breaks for the Oilers. I, I feel like, you know, if you're Jay McClellan, you can kind of point to those things and say, hey, guys, like, as close to that game was, we did a lot of damage to ourselves. We had some bad breaks, some things we got to clean up, but uh, definitely, you know, if they come out with that effort that they had in the third period, that desperation, definitely they can get back into this series. Now, Clack, what's the key to that? Like, we saw it for a a short stretch in the second period where the Oilers took over. We saw it for a good majority of the third period when they battled back into it, and that might have been McDavid and Dreisaitl, but what for you is the key to the Oilers getting that pressure and, you know, keeping it on for the majority of a game, not just in the the rare instances? Well, I think part of it's going to be coaching and part of it is going to be on the players. And for me, in terms of the players aspect you know Leon Dreisettle came out and he said we didn't have our skating legs to start the game to me it's a thing where did they maybe go into game 
five and game four, and because they had blown out LA in two straight, did they just maybe think that it's just going to come to them? And that's a possibility. It's possible that they thought, you know what, we we're going to score our goals. It's fine. We can kind of come out and just contain to start the game. Like, I don't know if that's what they're thinking in their head, but but it's really what it looked like on the ice. It really looked like they were just hoping for the, that odd man rush to just come to them. They have to come out right at the beginning of the game and forecheck and skate. And Jay Woodcroft said it. They got to shoot pucks. They had to win a face off. Like they have to do these little minor things to start the game. And then really that's what's going to get them going. So the players need to start with energy. That's something that they did earlier. And I wonder if those blowouts kind of led to this more lazy start that they've had in the last two games. But also from a coaching perspective, like I said, they need to figure out line two. They need to figure out line three. They clearly need to figure out the D because on the blue line, they ended up with this weird Kulak-Keith combination in overtime, which really hurt them. Clearly, they didn't believe in the D pairs that they've gone with for the entire series. If Darnell Nurse is missing for game six, then they have to rearrange everything. But if he's not missing, they still have to figure out, you know, how are we going to deploy this? Do we still think that Keith and Bouchard is the best deployment or do we need to put Kulak with Bouchard? What are we doing with Tyson Berry? There's a few things from a coaching perspective that that I'd like to see change. And part of that, too, is how the D are transitioning out of their own zone. I think that Jay Woodcroft's got to tell those D-men that you got to simplify things because some of these blue liners like Kulak and Keith, especially both of them, and Bouchard at some points were caught with trying to make these insane passes from their own zone to the middle of the ice or, you know, the breakout wasn't tight. The, the forwards weren't back enough. So there's a few adjustments the coaching staff has to come in and make. And also with ice time. I mean, ice time wise, I think when you're taking a lot of penalties like that, it does screw with things. So that could be just an element of the game and the flow of what happened in game five, but ice time wise too. some very weird deployments where there was a lot more reliance on the vets necessarily compared to some of the younger players. And that's what you normally see in a playoff with some coaches, but that's not really how the Oilers have done this when they've been winning. They've given a lot of balance to their players. And obviously with McDavid and Drysaddle, they're going to have to play a lot. They didn't actually play a ton in game five because of those penalties, but they got to play a lot because you need to win with your best players on the ice. So to me, it's just a big mix. They need to have the players have to have some more energy. The coaches have to make adjustments. Yeah. I mean, you, you talk about the deployment there, Darnell and or, sorry, geez, I don't know why I keep saying that. I got nurse on the mind today for whatever reason. Uh, Leon dry side, all 20 minutes, Connor McDavid under 20 minutes. And uh yeah, only a minute 48 of that coming on the power play. Uh, maybe if they could get a few more power plays, that might go a long way for them. Uh you, you talked about the Oilers' defense there, and, you know, I think a lot of guys have warranted criticism throughout this series. But Duncan Keith, for me, is a guy, in, in some of it's bad luck. I mean, I look at the the clearing attempt in Game 4 that hits the ref. He's trying to go glassing out. Kind of an unfortunate break. In that same game, he gets caught in a bad position. But there's just some situations where Duncan Keith... Has me scratching my head. And, you know, for a guy who we talk about as maybe losing some of his athleticism, but, you know, mentally he should still be there. Like, it's it seems like there's some panic in his game at times. Absolutely. I, I think Duncan Keith had a great game one, and I think he had a pretty solid game two. And my concern with Keith throughout the series was going to be you know, you knew he was going to come out. You knew he wanted to prove the doubters wrong. He was going to have a strong 
beginning to his playoff, but I was a little worried about how long until it starts to wane on him and how long does his body just kind of get old because that happens to players in the playoffs when they're at an older age. So sometimes they peter out when you get farther down into the the playoffs and it doesn't happen to everybody, but I've seen it plenty of times with veterans at that age. And the thing that you do in order to combat that is you got to simplify your game and you have to really make sure that, that you're in the best position for yourself to defend in case you get tired in Duncan Keith's position. He just hasn't done that. Like he's done a lot of these things where it's the, it's the decision-making with the puck that ends up, costing him and putting him in those positions where now he's screwed, where it's Adrian Kempe, one of the fastest players in the league, barreling down on him. Like, I'm not going to actually blame him 100% for not being able to pivot and come back because I've seen that all year. Like, I'm going to (laughs) blame I've been blaming Keith for that all year. I expect that. I would rather expect Duncan Keith to know that he might be in that position and that he has to change his game so that he adjusts to that. So... I get more mad at the plays before that. Like I, I, I see it coming if Keith's going to have a guy barreling down on him because he shouldn't be in that position. He's not a good rush defenseman anymore. He's better as a guy that's maybe in his own zone and being a veteran for Evan Bouchard at times. And at times that, that pairing works. But if Keith's going to have the puck and he's going to treat it like a grenade and he's going to just turn and burn and, and move it, like you said, panic a little bit, that's going to put him in positions where he's going to get exposed for what he is as a player now physically. And the two plays in that game where he just kind of lazily took that puck out of, out of his own zone rather than stopping and making a more veteran play. Those are the plays that ended up in the back of the net. And that's something you expect from a rookie, but the rookie might have better legs to defend it. He doesn't. So very disappointing last, last game for Duncan Keith in game five. In game four, I was more frustrated with him needing to put his stick on the ice uh, for that one Troy Setcher goal. Yeah. Because a veteran D would know that from that angle, like as long as you get out of the way, you either block it with your body or you get out of the way so that the goalie can see it, Mike Smith can see it. And instead he put his stick on the ice in kind of another lazy one-handed way. And that's how the deflection works. It's just, it's it's decision-making with him that I'm kind of frustrated by because I know he's a smart player, but he's not really showing it. And we know the speed is a problem anyway. So if he's going to put him in himself in positions like that, that's going to be a problem. Also, can I break something on the podcast? Yeah. What's going down? Uh, Zach Cassian has been fined $5,000 for the cross check to Sean Dursey's. So we just talked about how that penalty <laughs> wasn't very good. Well, he's been fined for it now. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I better retweet that right now. Uh, well worth it, right? Five thousand dollars. Was it worth it? Like that was. <laughs> no, that was a little sarcasm. That was just a stupid yeah. point. Like <laughs> was... It, there was on there was no use in it. It was just so stupid. Like I, I get you're trying to be intense and you're trying to set the tone in the playoffs, but you go behind him, you wrap your arm around him, put the glove in his face. There's no fine. There's no penalty. And there's probably a bigger message sent because you got to turn around and look at those crazy eyes of Zach Cassian. The cross check's just kind of gutless to me. There's been some moments in this series where the Oilers get really undisciplined for small periods of time. Like LA's gotten a little bit under their skin, especially Dursey. And 
I like having an edge. Having an edge in the playoffs is great. Like, look at Kyler Yamamoto. He has yeah. an edge. He's been hitting guys. He's been getting under people's skin. Like, he's he's having a pretty solid round to me. But, you know, Evander Kane punching everyone in the face when he has a chance to punch them in the face. Yeah. Well, you're going to get called for that. Or like, or like sticking your knee out and your elbow at the same time. Like there's, there's a line that you can't cross. If you can stay on that line, you're perfect. And Kane was doing that earlier in the series perfectly. But between Kane, Nurse and Cassian, there's been moments where I'm just kind of sitting there like, man, like you need to rein it in for a bit. The game's not over. Yeah. You can't I mean, be in the box. It's a, it's a good point too. Cause I mean, you look at the Kings and they're, they're not angels. They're not innocent here either. But, uh, the guys like Kopitar, Brown, even Lemieux, like they seem to know what they can get away with. The Oilers seem to just push that line. And you know, when the hand comes off the stick and it's a punch, you're going to the box. When it's, you know, the, the arms get extended on that cross check, there's going to be the arm going up. Like, I feel like there's a subtle way to do it. And the Oilers, they got to find the art of subtlety uh, if they want to, you know, stay out of the box and, and avoid a quick elimination here. Just a couple more questions for you, Clack. Uh, I got to ask you about the Oilers' goaltending. Um, Twitter can be a, a negative place, and there's going to be a lot of questions. And I, I saw it floating around there. Should the Oilers even consider going to Miko Koskin in Game 6? No, they really shouldn't consider that. And it's not necessarily me endorsing Mike Smith 100%, but it's just me saying, how do you put a guy in cold in a game six elimination game? Mm -hmm. It's really tough on Koskinen. Like, that is not the most fair thing. If it was a guy that was injured and he's usually your starter and you get him back, like if it was Freddie Anderson for Carolina, I would say, oh, absolutely. But, you know, Smith and Koskinen have been splitting it all year. And it's not like Mike Smith is all bad. It's a really weird game in game five for him because he made some saves that absolutely saved Edmonton's ass. And then he also made some plays where you're like, ah. like <laughs> it, yeah. it was a really yeah. odd game for him. Cause I think without him, they probably let up two more goals, but with him, they let up two more goals than they should have. And in Mike Smith's case, he has to prove that he's the best goalie in the series. He hasn't done that in any of the series that he's been a part of the Oilers for. Like in Chicago, he got pulled. Winnipeg, Hellebuck was better. In this series, he's had moments where he's better than Jonathan Quick, but Jonathan Quick's made the saves he needs to make to win the game just a little bit more. So I do think Smith still has that potential to win you a game. And I'm still you know, frustrated with Mike Smith's other issues. I mean, game one was still... A problem like that's that's another reason why they're here is that his gaff in game one was a, a game they could have won and he dropped it but yeah you can't go to Koskinen because it's just unfair it's, it's not only unfair to Koskinen but it's just such a gamble to go to a guy that's arguably not as good as Smith who's also cold Hockey fans, the pursuit of the Stanley Cup is on in DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs? With DraftKings same-game parlays, you can do just that. 
Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537 in Illinois, Indiana, Minnesota, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, or Wyoming. 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado or New Hampshire. You can visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, in Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF, in Louisiana, 1-877-770-STOP, 8778-HOPE-NY, in New York, in Oregon, you can visit opgr.org, in Tennessee, call the red line, 1-800-889-9789, and in Virginia, 1-888-532-3500, 21 plus, 18 plus in Wyoming. Must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Minnesota, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming only. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Clack, uh, two questions for you. One more about this Oilers series. One more. I'm going to go a little off the radar, so be prepared for it. Now, we this is Oilers-based podcast, so a lot of the questions are going to be surrounding the Edmonton Oilers. But uh, we saw Adrian Kempe, a 35-goal scorer for the LA Kings this season, kind of find his groove last night, scoring two goals, obviously the overtime winner. Uh, not the best play by Duncan Keith trying to defend it, but I like how Kempe got that left leg out to shield it. I thought that was a kind of a sneaky good play by him. But uh Philip Deneau, five points, Kempe five points, more five points. They kind of get in this balanced scoring from them. Uh what did they do going into game four to change what they were able to change and, and what they could control to get the victories? Well Philippe Deneau is so good in the neutral zone and so good at being a third defenseman, and I already said third defenseman once in this podcast <laughs> with Jesse Poliarvi, but it's in a different way. Deneau's a third defenseman because he's just so good at making the neutral zone his thing. He cuts people off, he uses his stick, he shadows guys, and boy, did I notice in Game 5 that he was on Dreisaitl, and he was not quite shadowing him 100%, but he was in Dreisaitl's passing lanes, and he was making Dreisaitl miserable. And they actually had to kind of get dry settle away from Deneau in the third period strictly because of that aside from other things in terms of needing to win the game and whatnot. But, but the LA Kings, like the only way that you're going to beat them when they're kind of throwing out that one, three, one is you're going to have to get pucks in deep and you're going to have to make their D pay for it. Physically, you're gonna have to go in and hit people in the corner. The Oilers really like to do rush stuff. They really like to go on the rush and just kind of, as a unit go for that one big play and the Kings are doing a good job at shutting that down. And Deneau is a big part of it. And Trevor Moore too. I mean, Trevor Moore is a, a little energy bug. Same for Blake Lazat, who I think's had a great series, mm-hmm. but those guys are going to get on you in the neutral zone. They're going to try to cut you off and you're going to have to go in 
and really make them pay physically and dump pucks in. And I don't love dumping pucks in as a strategy most of the time, but against this team, you're going to have to try a little more and you're going to have to do a little more because they're trying to prevent that speed and it's working for majorities of the game, unless it's Connor McDavid, in which case, good luck because he's had a great <laughs> series and he can beat a one, three, one, but the other lines necessarily not necessarily can do the same thing. Uh, by the way, Darnell nurse suspended for one game for headbutting Philippe Deneau. So we now know that Darnell nurse is not going to play in game six. Man, you get those notifications quick. That's how you do it on NHL Update, eh? That, that's how we do it. And, <laughs> and now it's two different things broken on the podcast. Man, that? maybe we should just keep you going here a little bit longer. I know Low Tide's probably just pissed right now because he didn't get a break those during his uh, his show from 10 a.m. till noon on TSN 1260. I'm sure uh, as I look into the 1260 studios right now, I'm sure Matt and Tom Gazzola are talking about that. So that gives us something to talk about. On the Jason Greger show today, Clack, uh, love you breaking those things. Uh, I, I keep saying one more question. Uh, are the Oilers going to make this a, a seven gamer? Well, now let's answer the whole Darnell Nurse <laughs> has don't got Darnell what Nurse. happens question. And that ties into if they're going to make it a seven gamer. So now on the left side, how do you deploy the ice time of those D-men? Brett Kulak, Duncan Keith, and I imagine... It'll be Chris Russell over Philip Broberg, but we're, we'll find out. Yeah. But I imagine it'll be Chris Russell. And I just look at that left side and I think, do they have a chance now? I mean, Connor McDavid had basically four points. He had three points, but the fourth one was not a fourth because of the one King getting his stick in the, the middle of the pass. <laughs> Could have been a point. Could have been a point. Some stats so guys would have given to him. Exactly. McDavid was incredible and they still couldn't get it done. Now you're taking away Darnell Nurse and the top left hand D is Duncan Keith, who just got blown apart last game. Well, here's how they're probably going to have to win the game. It's going to be 5-4 if they win the game. They have to make it a track meet because if it if LA makes it a grindy thing, a grind fest, I don't think the Oilers have the blue line right now where they actually can transition the puck well enough and get it out of their zone. Because without Nurse, who's kind of their best guy at that, like Bouchard is their best passer, but Nurse is their best guy to skate it out of trouble, they might get hemmed in quite a bit if the LA Kings are able to successfully grind it out and do this. So they're going to have to skate, and they're going to have to dump pucks in, they're going to have to be physical, and it's going to be up to the forwards at this point because the D is now very, very wounded for this game. Like there's, They're going to let up chances and I think there's going to be some goals that LA scores. So the Oilers forwards are going to have to chip in chase and get pucks to the net. And they're going to have to make it a little bit of a track meet here in terms of getting enough goals to win the game. And McDavid and dry are going to have a big task ahead of them to potentially carry part of the team. And the depth is going to have to score a goal or two. Yeah. I mean, have to do something. The Oilers just might have to go out there and score eight goals. Um, that might be the safest way to ensure victory in this one. Uh, so what are you thinking? Uh, Duncan Keith goes and plays with Cody Cece on the top pairing. Uh, you know what? I might put Brett Kulak with Cody Cece and try to make that a shutdown pair. Keep Keith and Bouchard. And then you'd have Tyson Berry with Chris Russell. Yes. I, I still think you need someone with Tyson Berry that can help rein him in. Kulak's done a good job with that this season for the most part. And Chris Russell is the guy that's most likely to step in on that pair 
and do a similar role. And Russell's been here before. He's been in a playoff situation where they need to win like this. So I would trust him a little bit more over Philip Broberg here. But yeah, it's not ideal, but Kulak and CC are your best chance at actually having a shutdown pair. So I would probably do that. I think the Cowboys coming in to score a goal for this one. Chris Russell just waiting in the wings for this moment. Uh, Clack, it's going to be interesting. I love that news breaks as we do this podcast, so I'm going to try to get it out to the people as fast as possible. Uh, my final question for you, I said I had one non-hockey related. It is football related. Uh, what did you think of the New England Patriots going Cole Strange in the first round, the guard out of Chattanooga? It was strange. I mean, <laughs> look, Sean McVay might have been super intoxicated when he said <laughs> that they were looking at Strange with their 108th pick or what it was. I, I think he wasn't lying. Like, Strange is an older prospect, and he, uh, <laughs> like, look, he might step in and be not bad right away. It's just that upside-wise, there's not much. I really did not like the Patriots draft. I thought it was very weird. I don't think they picked a lot of guys that had high upside. They picked a lot of guys that did well in the combine. I preferred a lot of other drafts, including the Chargers a little bit, but I thought the Lions had the best draft, to be honest. Oh, that first round, Jamison and uh, Aiden Hutchinson, two potential game changers. I, I wish Jamison Williams went to a team where maybe a quarterback had a cannon for an arm. Not that Jared Goff can't get him the ball, but yeah, the Lions had a good draft. I liked what New York, uh, the well, both New Yorks did. The Jets in the first round, I really liked that. Uh, Cole Strange, oh. though, when that was selected, I was like, oh, Okay, and you brought up Sean McVay, that maniacal laugh that he had. Good moment in the NFL draft, but I just think that Bill Belichick knows what he's doing. And Cole Strange, despite being a 24-year-old rookie once the season gets going, 10-year All-Pro. He'll, he'll figure it out pretty quickly. I think Belichick's a great coach. I don't love him as a GM, <laughs> though, and that's why the past draft record is so spotty to me. It's very up and down, but they might be able to develop these guys well. I also will say this to end off. Jared Goff's not getting the ball to anybody. I just want to make sure that's clear. He ain't getting the ball to anybody this season. He might be the problem in Detroit if they want to make any advancements. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Swing passes, end arounds. That's how we're going to do it with, uh, with the Detroit Lions offense. Dan Campbell, they'll be going after kneecaps, as he once famously said. Clack, thank you again for doing this. Really appreciate it. And uh, let's hope the Oilers can win on Thursday night. Maybe force a game seven, go on a bit of a run, then we can get you back on the podcast. Well, now that we know that Nurse isn't playing, I think game six <laughs> is going to be an exciting one, whether it's a win or a loss, but let's hope it's a win. I hope so too, Clack. For, for the Oilers Nation, I hope so too. Thanks again. We will talk to you soon. Thanks, Connor. There you go. That is Brennan Clack of Fan Tracks. Make sure to give him a follow on Twitter at NHL Update. You saw how fast he gave us the information throughout that little interview. That was live on the cuff. He, you're off the cuff. He, he nailed it there. Uh, little suspension for Darnell Nurse. One game for the headbutt. So he'll be out for game six down in Los Angeles. Probably already hopped on the flight. Probably could have just stayed at home, but, uh, he'll be with the team and Zach Cassian, $5,000 fine for the cross check. Uh, kind of a useless play, but, uh, Good thing for Zach, he's got that big contract, so not the biggest hit out of his wallet. Uh, for the Edmonton Oilers, like we've talked about in this entire show, down 3-2 to the LA Kings in the first round series, best of seven. They've still got a chance. They've got to win two straight. It's not impossible, but it certainly will be tougher without Darnell Nurse in the lineup for pregame coverage of the game on Thursday on TSN 1260. 
We'll got you covered. Tom Gazzola, former NHLer Matt Cassian, Dennis Bernstein of the fourth period, and myself. If you want to tune in, we'll go 6 o'clock until puck drop. That's on TSN 1260 on Thursday. We'll do the same on Saturday if there is a Game 7, and we'll just wait and see what happens. We'll have another podcast before then. Probably drop another podcast on Friday morning for those of you who would like to tune in. And I do appreciate you tuning in to this episode. Got to thank Brendan Clark as well. Got to thank the Hockey Podcast Network as well as DraftKings. If you're going to sign up today, make sure to use promo code THPN. And that's going to do it for another edition of the Other Connor Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. My name is Connor Halley. Make sure to give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday wherever you get your podcasts from.